Good morning, everyone. Let's pray as we prepare to open God's word. Father, we thank you that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We thank you that salvation has come in the person, in the flesh of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is Yahweh in the flesh. We thank you most of all this season for Jesus. And Lord, if this past year has shown us anything, it is that this world needs to be redeemed, needs to be renewed, recreated. So we thank you for your plan, which spans the ages into the future, which is before us. And Father, may we as your people continue to hope and to trust in your wise providence. Lord God, as we open your word this morning, I'm praying that Jesus be lifted high in our hearts, and Lord, that we would be encouraged uh, by this word that we're about to look to in Hebrews. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. There's a $550 million spacecraft named Stereo B that was launched by NASA in the year 2006. And the purpose of Stereo B was to go up and make observations concerning the behavior of the sun. But in the fall of 2014, NASA lost all communications with Stereo B. The spacecraft stopped speaking to ground control and ground control could not speak to the spacecraft either. And the radio silence between the spacecraft and ground control then continued for almost two whole years, despite repeated attempts by NASA uh, to reestablish communication. Well, finally, in August of 2016, they had at least partial success in reconnecting with the vehicle at which point they began to work feverishly to figure out exactly what the condition of Stereo B was and to see whether they could get it uh, fully online again. But ultimately, NASA failed in their attempts. The spacecraft spun out of control about a month after that partial contact had had been reestablished, and there has been no contact in either direction ever since. So somewhere out in space right now, there's a $550 million piece of equipment that isn't communicating with us, and we have lost ability to to reach it as well. Can you imagine what it would be like if we were stuck on this earth with no means of speaking to God, and God being silent toward us as well. Can you fathom how awful it would actually be if there was nothing but silence in both directions, us to God and God to us? What if we were left utterly alone on this sin-sick planet with its regular amounts of violence and injustice, death, sorrow, confusion, pain, 
left alone with no communication from God, left to fend totally for ourselves and try to figure out whatever we could on our own. One of the most basic foundational pillars of our Christian faith is that God has spoken and God still speaks. Hallelujah. We are not left with silence from heaven. We have God's speech. We have God's communication to us. And because of Jesus, of course, we have the privilege of speaking to God in prayer. Amen? The lines of communication for the believer are open. Blessed truth. Blessed truth. Well, on this third Sunday of Advent 2020, my hope is that we can take just a few minutes to celebrate together the basic fact worth celebrating that God speaks to us, that he is not silent And because he wants us to know him, he discloses himself to us. We are not left alone on this fallen planet. In fact, God goes to extravagant lengths, doesn't he, to communicate with us. This morning, I want to take you to the first chapter of Hebrews, just very briefly, and we're going to camp today on the first couple of verses uh, from Hebrews chapter 1. So we're just going to jump in here at Hebrews 1, verse 1. The writer says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, notice the words, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Now, the writer to the Hebrews is writing this New Testament letter in the first century A.D. When he says, Long ago, God spoke by the prophets. He's referring backward from his own day to the Old Testament era, hundreds upon hundreds of years prior to his writing of this letter. Long ago. And notice how he simply affirms here that God spoke. God spoke in that long-ago day in that Old Testament era. Glorious news. The creator of all things spoke in earlier days to our ancestors in the faith. He didn't have to speak, being God, but he did. And in what way did God speak? Well, the writer says here that God spoke at many times and in many ways. Sure, God, throughout the entire Old Testament era, was, we could say, elaborately creative in his communications. He was diverse in his speaking. He spoke at many times and in many ways. For instance, to Moses, God spoke in thunder and in lightning. And God whispered in a still, small voice, to Elijah. God spoke through strange and even shocking in some cases visual parables that were acted out by the likes of Ezekiel and Jeremiah. And God spoke in the law of Moses. 
And at other times, God spoke in oracles. He spoke in miraculous signs at times. At other times, God spoke directly. At still other times, he spoke in poems and in songs by David. And at still other times, he spoke by angels. Other times, he spoke through visions. So it was just as the writer of Hebrews says here, God spoke in the Old Testament era, he spoke at many times and in many ways. So great was God's desire to be known by human beings that he went to great creative lengths to speak to human beings at many times and in many ways. And God's speaking came, says the writer to the Hebrews, it came to our fathers by the prophets. Again, notice carefully here, won't you, that the writer is looking back in this passage, he's looking back retrospectively hundreds of years before his time, and he's affirming that God spoke to people way back then. You see, it's not just about God being concerned about us and speaking to us now, which he does in our situation in 2020, but it's not just about that. In fact, God has been concerned throughout distant history, hundreds and even thousands of years before we were born, he has been been concerned to provide his divine voice to our fathers, to generation after generation of human beings. And when the writer says here that the speaking voice of God came throughout Old Testament history by the prophets, what's he talking about here? He's not just talking about the Isaiahs and the Jeremiahs and the Zephaniahs of the Old Testament, not just about those people, but by this word prophets in the text, he's also including people like Moses and Joshua, and David. In the words of Donald Hagner, who wrote a commentary on Hebrews, Hagner says, quote, prophets, here in verse 1, are to be understood as God's spokesmen, his representatives to people in every era, and therefore as all the writers of Scripture, not just those referred to in the literature we designate as the prophets. Again, the point, prophets here in verse 1 includes people like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Amos and Malachi, but it also includes Moses and David and Joshua and the other writers of the Old Testament. Well, let's read the whole verse one more time. Hebrews 1.1. Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, and then verse 2. Now, what I want us to try and pick out here is the clear contrast in God's approach between verse 1, what we have in verse 1, and what we have in verse 2. Verse 2 reads, But in these last days, 
He has spoken to us, how? By his Son, he's the one we are celebrating in this Advent season, by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. I wonder if you can see the great contrast between God's approach in verse 1 and his approach in verse 2. Verse 1, God spoke in Old Testament days through his prophets, through Moses and David and Ezekiel and Malachi and the other authors of the Old Testament, and he did that in a piecemeal sort of a way and with a diversity of ways, a a diversity of forms at different times. But now, verse 2, in new covenant times, in these last days that you and I are living in right now, God has spoken by a single source, and that is he has spoken by his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, I want to take us on something of a diversion. It's not totally a diversion because it's very much related to our text. Something of of a diversion just for the next few moments. Uh, We're going to circle back later, a little bit later, to the theme of God speaking to us. But for the next few moments, I want us to do a little work here that I think is going to help us grasp the full impact, the full glory of what is being said here in our passage. So first of all, let's begin by clarifying something here in verse two. When the author of Hebrews uses this phrase, last days here, how do we understand that? In these last days, God has spoken to us by his son. Now, if we have been raised in what's called a dispensational, a church environment, which many people in Baptist circles have been, whether they're, they're aware of that fact or not, if we've been raised in a dispensational kind of environment, then we may understand that phrase, last days, as a reference to, say, the past 50 or 100 years, when various signs across the globe seem to tell us that we've entered recently into this phase called the last days. But when we read the New Testament carefully, in fact, we understand that the last days, listen, the last days began with the first advent of Jesus Christ, with his birth into the world in the first century. The coming of Jesus 2,000 years ago inaugurated the last days. Note very carefully, as you look at the text again, note very carefully, won't you, that the writer to the Hebrews is writing in, when is he writing? In the first century, it's when he's penning this letter, in the first century, he's writing actually within mere decades of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, And he can say, in his first century context, these last days. He understood himself in the first century 
to already be in the last days. And it's a similar situation over in 1 John 2.18 when the Apostle John can say in his first century context, he can say, this is the last hour. John understood also that already in the first century it was the last hour. The New Testament tells us that the last days got underway at the moment when Jesus was born in Bethlehem at the first advent. And so if anybody ever asks you, do you think we are in the last days, Uh, you can reply yes. According to the New Testament, we've been in the last days, in the last hour, for 2,000 years now. But there is even more going on here in verse 2 when the writer to the Hebrews uses this phrase, last days. I want you to listen carefully and think through this with me. In the original Greek, the form of the phrase here in Hebrews 1-2, the form of the phrase that we translate as last days in English, this is exactly the same as the form that we find in the Greek version or the Septuagint version, ver, version sorry, of Numbers 24, verse 14. Last days in Hebrews 1-2 is exactly the same as last days in Numbers 24-14. Now, why is this important? Well, because in that section of the Old Testament, in Numbers 24, we have a crucially important oracle voiced by Balaam, where Balaam prophesies the coming Messiah. But just before Balaam kicks off his oracle, he uses the exact same phrase that we have here in Hebrews 1-2, the phrase, latter days or last days. Most likely, as the writer to the Hebrews pens Hebrews 1 verse 2 and uses this precise phrase that he uses, he's making an allusion to Numbers 24, 14. He's thinking of Balaam's oracle as he writes verse 2. He purposely uses the same form of the phrase, last days. All right then, so let's think a little bit about Balaam's oracle in Numbers 24. In his oracle, one of the words that Balaam had used is the Hebrew word shevet, scepter. He said in verse 14, a shevet, a scepter, shall rise out of Israel. Now with that word shevet, scepter, Balaam was making reference to what? He's making reference to a king who would come out of Israel in the latter days. In the latter days. A shevet, a scepter. That's a kingly, royal tool. And Balaam prophesied this this coming king in the latter days would do what? He would subdue nations. In Numbers 24, we have mention of Moab and Edom coming under the rule of this coming king. This coming king would come and he would exercise dominion 
Uh, Balaam says in verse 19 of that chapter. So in Balaam's oracle, we have what? We have a coming king with nations under his rule. Numbers 24. Well, that prophecy of Balaam in Numbers 24 bears a very close relationship to what we have over in Psalm 2 where the word shavet or scepter also appears. In Psalm 2.9, the Lord's Messiah will subdue nations with a shavet, with a scepter or a rod of iron, just as the King Messiah in Balaam's oracle would subdue nations as a shavet, scepter. It turns out, of course, that it's the same Messiah King that is being prophesied in both Numbers 24 and in Psalm 2. Now, why is all of this important for our study of Hebrews 1? It's important because clearly the writer of Hebrews, as he writes verse 2, is thinking of both Numbers 24 and Psalm 2 together He's showing us that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of both of those Old Testament passages. Jesus is the Messiah King who was prophesied in Numbers 24 and in Psalm 2. Watch this. Let's go back to verse 2 of our passage one more time. See if you can hear the echoes of Numbers 24, but particularly of Psalm 2 here. The writer to the Hebrews says, but in these last days, latter days, there's the Numbers 24 reference, God has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Now, the words in red there that are underlined are clear allusions to Psalm 2. In Psalm 2, verses 7 and 8, here's what God says to his anointed. He says in Psalm 2, You are my son. I will surely give the nations as your inheritance. You are heir to the nations of the world. And God says to his anointed in Psalm 2, I will give you the very ends of the earth as your possession. All things, the entire earth, all nations, shall be your possession. The universe will be your possession. God's Son, Jesus Christ, is clearly the one who was prophesied when God spoke in Numbers 24 and when God spoke in Psalm chapter 2. And it gets even deeper and thicker here. Numbers 24 and Psalm 2 are further connected all the way back to the beginning of Genesis. Adam was a son of God created by God to subdue the earth 
and have dominion as a king over the earth, but Adam rebelled against God and it all went awry. The last Adam and true Son of God, Jesus Christ, came into the world and by his crucifixion and resurrection, he inherits the earth and as King of Kings, he exercises dominion over the earth, over the universe as the last Adam. So, Echoing in this beginning of Hebrews, in these first two verses of Hebrews, are the opening chapters of Genesis, Numbers 24, and Psalm 2. I hope we can begin to see the glory here, the, the, the thickness of these verses in Hebrews 1. And I hope that by seeing this this morning, what sort of wells up in, in our insides is worship for our great King, the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. Well, that was our little diversion, but as I said, very much related, of course, to the text. Now we circle back, as promised, to our main idea, our main theme this morning of God speaking to us. The writer to the Hebrews says, That in these last days, he, God, has spoken to us by his Son. Do you see the glory here? It's by this crucified, resurrected King of Kings, who is the fulfillment of Numbers 24 and Psalm 2. It's by this glorious last Adam this royal son of God who inherits the entire universe, it's by him that God himself has spoken to us. In the Old Testament, God spoke at many times and in many ways. God was incredibly creative, and very passionate concerning his communication to human beings through his variety of prophets because God desired that his human creatures would know him. But God has gone ahead and he's done the most astonishing thing that can ever be imagined. God himself has gone 3D. God has taken on human flesh so that his human creatures might see him and touch him and listen to him. Instead of the piecemeal way that God had spoken in Old Testament days, now he's come in person, in a single source, the person of Jesus of Nazareth who fulfills the law and the prophets. In Jesus, the writer of Colossians says, Paul says, in Jesus, the whole fullness of deity, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. When Jesus speaks, God speaks. 
Jesus is the Word of God become flesh. Jesus is the best communication of God and the final communication of God. And all those diverse communications from the Old Testament era, all those communications, they pointed to Jesus. They had to do with Jesus. They were shadows of Jesus. They were preparations for Jesus. And Jesus now has come as the substance. Jesus fulfills all those diverse Old Testament communications. In him we find God's yes. Jesus is the best and final communication of God. He is the revelation of God. His attitudes, his actions, his affections, his teachings, his words, his miracles, his death, and his resurrection are all direct revelation from God. In these last days, God has spoken to us by his Son. My friend, as we close this now, I want to ask you a very serious question. I want you to think about your past week and consider this question very honestly. What speech, what speech have you listened to the most over this past week? Has it been the speech of CNN? Has it been the speech of CTV News? The speech of Twitter, or he is saying CBC in the back. Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, the, the speech of your favorite blog or website or podcast. You see, there's a great deal of speech out there. We all know that. There's a smorgasbord of speech for us to pick and choose from. And my point here is not to classify everything on TV and internet as evil. That's not my point. My point rather is to ask this very serious question. How much of the speaking voice of Jesus Christ have you taken in over the past week? How much of his voice have you and I exposed ourselves to this past week by meditating reading prayerfully over his word? How much anxiety in our lives has been dispelled over the past week by our insistence on going to the voice of our great shepherd and listening to him? Whatever you may receive this year as a Christmas gift, is absolutely going to pale in comparison to this gift. That in these last days, God has spoken to us by his Son. In our confused and confusing world, in our situation where we feel right now, we feel this old age around us decaying, even as we hope for the culmination of the new age. In our struggle and in our depression and in our disappointment and what sometimes feels like despair, friends, 
we have divine communication from Almighty God. We have speech from the maker of the, of the universe. We have the voice of our God in Jesus Christ. Oh, that each of us would simply obey God's command in the power of the Holy Spirit, obey his command in Matthew 17, 5, when God says, this is my son, listen to him. Listen to Jesus. This week, would you join me in drinking in the voice of Jesus Christ, savoring the voice of Jesus Christ, hearing the voice of Jesus Christ, obeying the voice of Jesus Christ, and being helped by his voice. God speaks into your life by his Son, who was born in Bethlehem to save sinners. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, there is no voice like your voice, which has come in so many diverse ways over the ages, but now comes in its final culmination in the voice of your Son, Jesus Christ. We praise you and thank you that you have not left us as orphans alone on this earth, Lord, to to fend and figure things out for ourselves, but you have spoken in your all-powerful, omniscient wisdom. You show us the way that we must go, the one to whom we must go to be saved, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for this gift, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.